0: Just simplify some things. It was very simple things, very simple plays. And then we need to simplify things. Bring it in a little bit. Let's just simplify some things. The simplest plays are the best plays. Reel it back in a little bit and simplify some things.
1: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now here's your host, Grant Bills.
2: out today sports media world is being mean to Russell Wilson and I look I, he's not my favorite player in the world you know this Monday night football last night we saw the Chargers beat the Broncos if you want to call that a win for the Chargers it was hardly impressive what they did they won 1916 went to overtime a muffed punt was the reason the game ended and I feel bad for my guy Russell Wilson I, I just think he's, he's getting done dirty he started the game 10 for 10. It looked like he was finally healthy, right? He was dealing with that lat muscle strain in his back. And what did we hear before the game? Oh, he got treatment. He saw a specialist and he feels great. And then in the first quarter, look at how well he played. I was like, oh, thank. Russell Wilson is finally healthy. He's finally getting a fair shake. And then he hurt his hamstring part of the way through the game and he didn't look the same. And I look, he's not my favorite quarterback. You know this to be true. We talk about it, but I feel like everyone's doing Russell Wilson a little dirty. He's obviously not healthy. He's not right. And the talent around him just isn't very good. (laughs) Oh, Oh, God. Oh, I I, I can't believe I made it that long. What a joke. God, he stinks. He really stinks. And I I love how so many people are so surprised by this. Like, if you've not watched him for years, he's not any good. God, it's an embarrassment for the people who talk about football to have mentioned Russell Wilson in the same breath as Rodgers or Brady or, hell, even Freeze. Just for years, it's like, oh, the top quarterbacks in the league, Rodgers and Brady and Wilson. Just what a joke. Oh, my God. It's like mentioning unfrosted shredded mini-wheats with Fruit Loops and Captain Crunch. It's like, it's a cereal. Sure, they have that in common. <laughs> god he stinks the broncos are so dumb poor nathaniel hackett poor guy uh just i just feel terrible for russell wilson if only he had a good situation a roster that really played to his strengths oh wait he has no strengths because he stinks he stinks ah last night was great uh while by the way we were watching that terrible monday night football game baseball just sneaky is like being really dumb like they really botched that game five that was supposed to be played last night. They let all the fans into the stadium at like 530, gave them no updates until 930 when they said, ah, we'll play it tomorrow. Rob Manfred, Rob Manfraud, more like it. God, baseball stinks. Baseball's so dumb. It's not just the Brewers. It's just the whole sport. So baseball gets a freebie last night because everyone was focusing on how poorly Russell Wilson is playing. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Fun night of sports last night. We were supposed to have baseball, didn't get it. But Monday Night Football, we got America's Booth, Joe and Troy. We got to see Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson, both of whom are supposed to be really good, and yet it's just not good. That game was uh, that game was painful to watch. But funny, again, I'll take the Broncos on primetime anytime. I saw Big Cat Barstool, Dan Katz, tweeting about this last night, and I agree. I know the Broncos stink, but they're funny to watch on primetime. They're entertaining, so I'll take it. I loved last night. Now, tonight, the NBA is back. The association opening night. Love it. Warriors getting their rings. They're going to beat the tar out of the Lakers, which will be funny. And then Celtic Sixers. Man, two of the Eastern powers playing tonight. We're in for a good night of basketball. Good night of sports. I love it. Game five right now. The Yankees are up four to nothing over the Guardians. Although the Guardians got two on, one out. We're in the, what inning? TBS's scorebug is score confusing me. Third inning. I'll update you on that game. We're obviously going to talk a lot of Packers tonight. Mike Clemens will be here at 5.30 as it is Tuesday. So we'll talk to Mike at 5.30. I have some sound bites from Aaron Rodgers from the McAfee show today. He gave his thoughts on the Jets game and talked about his simple comments, right? Uh, We need to simplify some things. We need to get more simple, 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 simple. So maybe we'll get to that. Or maybe we'll have some sparkling conversation about something else. Maybe we'll be talking so much on the phones we don't have time to get to Rodgers. That's fine. That sounds like a dream. 608-796-2558. You can give me a call or a text or you can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I have a bunch of Packers items to discuss tonight. We're going to play the blame game in a few minutes. Like I said, we might hear from Rodgers. We're going to hear from Mike Clemens. Before we do that, really quickly, I want to address something. May I make a statement, an official statement, a PSA, a public service announcement? From the jump, I want to get something out there I want to give a statement on the return of the NBA. I tweeted this morning. I'm excited. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice. The association is back. We will have basketball on our TV tonight. And then tomorrow night, the Bucks will be back and we can go full action league pass. There's so many good games tonight and tomorrow night. Well, there's two tonight. So many games tomorrow night. So I was tweeting about that this morning. And then I went on with Ebo and Rowdy and RJ this morning on The Zone, our Madison affiliate. And we were talking about the start of the Bucks season. And both on Twitter and on the radio this morning with Ebo, I got asked the same question. Well, it's the regular season. Why should I watch the regular season? The regular season is boring. None of these games matter. Wake me up in April when the playoffs starts. Right? It's just like, okay. Uh, look, you don't have to watch the regular season. You don't have to watch a single Bucks game between now and March if you don't want to. It's your life. Watch what you want. Right? I don't lock in and watch every college football game like some folks do. Although this last Saturday, I really got after. It. I watched Badger Spartans. I watched Tennessee, Alabama. And then late at night, I watched Utah, USC. I'll surprise everyone every once in a while. Heck, I'll even surprise myself. But I have sporting events that I'll just pass on watching. I have things that I just pass on watching. It's fine. I, I get it. We all have different tastes. Watch what you want. Do what you want. Eat what you want. It's your life. I don't care. But if I may say before we can continue tonight, We have a chance to see the best player in the world play for our team three times a week from now until April in the best basketball league in the world with the best athletes in the world. Just me, but I'm going to not take that for granted. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch the best player in the world who right now wears a Milwaukee Bucks jersey. Why should I watch the regular season? Because we get to watch Giannis every night. We get to watch Giannis play against the best athletes in the world, the best basketball teams in the world, three times a week. We will never be able to say that, I imagine, for the rest of our lives. And up until this point, we've never really been able to say it, unless you watched in the early 70s when Kareem and Oscar Robertson were here. We're never going to be able to watch a player like this, I imagine, play for the Bucs ever again. So I'm going to soak it in while I can right? Now, if you don't want to watch the NBA regular season, oh, the NBA regular season is dumb. Well, we spend three and a half hours watching Graham Mertz every Saturday, so don't lecture me on how we invest our time, okay? I'm just saying, you don't have to watch the Bucks regular season, but I got a couple of tweets today, and I got asked on the morning show, why? why us on the regular season. Uh, Giannis, hello? I shouldn't have to sell you on this team. You don't have to watch every game, but make sure you enjoy this guy, and enjoy the Bucks, who are really good, and currently employ the best player in the world. I just wanted to get off, the, off my chest. I was tweeting about that earlier today. Don't, get, don't give me that. Why should I watch? Because Giannis is amazing. If you don't want to watch basketball, fine. Don't watch basketball, but don't act like it's dumb. It's not dumb to watch the best player in the world. All right, now I want to talk about the Packers. All right, let's shift to this. Yesterday's show started, I was furious with Matt Lafleur about Sunday. The Packers, in case you're just waking up from a coma, uh, they lost by 17 at home to the Jets over-touchdown favorites. They were seven-and-a-half-point favorites, uh, and they lost by 17. Jets were one of 11 on third down. Zach Wilson threw for basically 100 yards. Really didn't even look that good. Packers lost by 17. Not good. And I was furious to start the show yesterday with Matt LaFleur. And then as we went throughout the show, talked to our guest Eric Eager, took some calls, thought about things, spitballed out loud, talked about things out loud. Some, not all, but some of my frustration started to shift to Aaron Rodgers. The Packers have many issues, okay? And there are many different parties that deserve blame For the sake of journalistic accuracy and integrity, I want to take a few minutes just to set the record straight to start tonight's show. I don't want to blame Aaron Rodgers for something that's Matt LaFleur's fault. And I certainly don't want to stick the blame on Matt LaFleur for something that's not his fault. I want to be accurate on the show. I want to have integrity as a journalist, as an analyst, as someone who's in the media, right? So let's organize our thoughts a little bit. I made a chart of some of the biggest issues plaguing the Packers uh, offensively. Or big picture, not necessarily defensively. Joe Barry, that's his arena. I specifically want to talk about Rodgers in the floor. I made a little chart of all the Packers issues so we can assign blame and discuss and make sure we're being accurate instead of being like, oh, the the offense sucks. They should have traded Aaron Rodgers. Well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. So let's get into the details. Let's get into the minutia to make sure we're being accurate about who we assign blame to and where we assign blame. I think mean, one of the biggest issues, and these are in no particular order, one of the biggest issues plaguing the Packers offense is the struggle of the offensive line, right? And I think this is all on Matt LaFleur. This is something you can't blame Aaron Rodgers for. And for all of you annoying Packers fans on Twitter, and I see you, you tweet a clip of Royce Newman getting his ass beat like a drum, and you tweet something like, I suppose Aaron Rodgers was supposed to block for himself on this plate. No one's saying Rodgers to block for himself. The straw manning that goes on on Packers Twitter is insane, and it needs to stop. So that's a whole other thing. The O-line struggles, as to me on Matt LaFleur, Because we have three years of precedent that Matt LaFleur isn't good at setting his O-line. Which is really disappointing and uh, really bodes poorly. Because the Packers' strength up front and on their offensive line for years has been depth. They have more good offensive linemen than any other team. And another strength is versatility. Guys can move around and play different spots. The problem is those strengths have become weaknesses Because Matt LaFleur normally starts the wrong guys at the wrong time in the wrong spot. It's like, oh, the Packers offensive line room, it's great. You have four different guys who can play four different positions. Well, that is great, unless your head coach can't get it right and always starts all of the guys in all of the wrong spots, which is traditionally over the last three years what's been the case. I still don't understand how Royce Newman is starting. I don't get it. Give me Zach Tom. I don't get that. I didn't understand how Jake Hansen was the next one into the game. Elton Jenkins doesn't seem to be able to hack it right now at right tackle. You have a tackle in Yash Nijman. Oh, he's not playing. That doesn't make sense. Matt LaFleur just can't set his O-line. That's 100% on him. Now, as bad as the offensive line has been, the backers have protected well on a good number of plays, and they're poor even on that. Rodgers is ranked 27 out of 33 eligible quarterbacks when throwing from a clean pocket, and I want to make sure I get the stat correctly. It is EPA per drop back. Okay. Not yards per attempt, not average up the target, but EPA per drop back from a clean pocket. On plays that are well-protected, Aaron Rodgers is ranking 27th out of 33 eligible quarterbacks. So even with the struggles of the offensive line, they've had opportunities from a clean pocket. Those haven't gone well either. So maybe we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Another issue plaguing this Packers team. They're soft. They got no heart. They showed no heart on Sunday. I put 60% of this, maybe a little more, on Matt LaFleur. And around 40% of this, maybe a little less, on Aaron Rodgers. Robert Sala, who is the best man in Matt LaFleur's Reading. Have you heard that, by the way? I haven't heard that talked about enough. Also, Clayton Kershaw, Matt Stafford went to high school together. Uh Robert Sala, after this game, basically called Matt LaFleur and his team soccer.
1: The the mindset to go 60 minutes and uh, and to give him 60% more. And just keep giving them body blow after body blow after body blow. And just keep hitting them. Keep hitting them in the mouth. O-line, just keep pushing and Just keep leaning on them. And we felt like if we can just keep taking them down to deep water, they'll find out they can't swim. And it was just just a mindset.
2: Uh, woof. Not a ringing endorsement. We'll just pull them out to deep water. They can't swim. Okay, great. So Robert Saul is called the Packers soft. Somebody else called the Packers soft. Somebody on the Giants. I don't remember who. I blocked the London game out of my head. The head coach is in charge of everything. Setting the tone, right? Look at how Dan Campbell completely changed the culture in Detroit. Or what Brian Dable has done with the Giants in only six games. Some coaches charge guys up. Some teams on Sundays that I watch look hungry to win. Malifleur's Packers traditionally look scared to lose. There's a big difference there. the The wiring and the personality of these teams has not been great. And that is mostly mostly, mostly on Matt LaFleur. I also think Rodgers shares a little bit of the blame. He's not the head coach, but he's the leader of the quarterback. I think he shares some blame. I blame him for the way the offense sometimes appears to quit when things aren't going well. We have lots of precedent, even before Matt LaFleur ever became the head coach, that once the game goes south, it doesn't get better. There's a couple of games in 2015 that really make that clear. Right, And that was long before Matt LaFleur got to the building. So the soft team, the no heart team, the team that quits, I put that like, let's go 70-30. 70% on Matt LaFleur, 30% on Aaron Rodgers. I think that's fair. Struggles in the passing game. It's another issue plaguing this Packers team big time. I actually, the more I look at it, the more I read about it, the more I watch, the more I listen, I'm going to put like 70% on Rodgers, 30% on Matt LaFleur. Right now, Rodgers just isn't in sync with the offense. He's going deep. When he should check it down, he's checking it down. When he should push the ball down the field, he's not seeing open guys. And when he does see open guys, he throws it at their feet. And I believe that that will improve with time and with repetition. I think in three weeks, Aaron Rodgers will look like a much better quarterback. The offense will look more cohesive. He'll look more in sync with everything going on around him. So Aaron Rodgers is playing a huge part because he's not playing very well. And there's a million stats to back that up. I'm not just picking on Aaron Rodgers to pick on him here. The whole point of the segment is to show you I'm not just picking on Rodgers or LaFleur just to pick on Rodgers or LaFleur. Now, to be fair to Rodgers, some of these wide receivers aren't getting open or they're not making plays. And sometimes that's true. Yeah. But Malafleur's offense isn't supposed to be reliant on individual players getting open. That was the Mike McCarthy scheme. That was the West Coast offense, right? But that's what Rodgers likes. But that's not what Matt LaFleur is trying to do. Because the West Coast offense, traditionally what Rodgers has ran and what McCarthy ran, that's not going to work with this personnel. That's not going to work with this group. Our guy Cone Roller, P1 listener to the show, follower on Twitter, great caller, tweeted this video at me yesterday. This is from part of my take before the season, Rodgers talking about Matt LaFleur's scheme. And
0: I tell Matt all the time, this scheme has flaws. I think this scheme... Uh, is way different. Than, I grew up in the West Coast offense. West Coast offense I think is the most beautiful offense ever created. It's very it's about timing and rhythm and balance and everything makes sense protection wise. You know where your hots are. You know where your eyes are going every single time. You know how the concepts fit together. This is a schematic offense. That was not a schematic offense. That was built on timing and precision and rhythm and guys being in the right spot at the right time and putting the ball in the proper number. And it, you It know, started with Bill Walsh and Montana and, and uh, Paul Hackett and on down to the iteration that we got to, and I loved it. In that offense, though, it's not predicated on off- on motion. It's predicated on uh, winning one-on-one matchups and then being accurate throwing the football.
2: The problem is the guys employed on this Packers offense at this point in the season can't get open reliably one-on-one because they're young or inexperienced or injured, and Rodgers isn't throwing the ball accurately, so what are we doing, right? Rodgers needs to blend a little bit more with Lafleur. Take the easy plays. Just relax, right? Stop trying to run an offense that's just not going to work with this scheme. And we talked about this with Eric Eager of Sumer Sports yesterday. So the passing game struggle. I put like 70% on Rodgers, 30% on the floor. The lack of touches for Aaron Jones. Packers had 13 possessions on Sunday. Aaron wrote, or, uh, Aaron Jones had 12 touches. That's on the floor. Even if Rodgers is the guy checking out of plays or, or changing a run to a pass or maybe taking an option play and pulling it from Jones to hit an RPO on the edge. Like, sure, even if Rodgers is the guy checking out of plays and costing Jones touches, Matt LaFleur needs to be up his ass on the sideline. It's like, hey, Aaron, you don't think your wide receivers are any good? Well, Aaron Jones is very good, and you don't give him the ball. Give him the ball. Clonk, hit him on the side of the helmet. Like, that's one very reasonable way in which Matt LaFleur can call out Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think Aaron Rodgers can take it personally. By the way, Aaron Rodgers on the Maccabee Show today – Talked about the lack of touches for Aaron Jones. I might understand the lack of touches for Aaron Jones even more, or I might understand it even less. I'm more confused about why Aaron Jones isn't involved. We'll hear from Aaron Rodgers coming up about Aaron Jones and a couple of other things. And I'd love to hear from you. 608 796 2558, Twitter at Wisco Grant. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant bills Twitter at Wisco Grant. You can text and call the show 608 796 2558. We're talking Packers. Eau Claire Chris texts in. He says So the Packers are, according to Twitter, in the market for a wide receiver. Who would you like them to pick up based on what's available? Uh, I'm just kind of of the belief that this offense is either going to work with what they have now, and it's going to work with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and this combination of players, or it's not going to work. You know what I mean? It's not to say that adding a wide receiver wouldn't help, but there's going to have to be a, a mental shift, a philosophical shift. There's going to have to be an adjustment to fix, I think, some of the disconnects that are currently happening. I'm not saying if they were to go all in and trade for Chase Claypool or whoever that that wouldn't help. Like, I would love a a bigger, taller, faster, more athletic wide receiver that can make plays. I I just think that Rodgers and Lafleur need to have a little powwow and figure some things out. I think the offensive line needs to be reshuffled. I I think a lot of things need to be fixed in-house for this team to get where it needs to go. And I, if things are to stay exactly like this, the Packers could add the best wide receiver in the league, and I still don't think it would be enough to help them accomplish their goals. Does that make sense? I feel like I maybe rambled there and talked myself in a circle. Again, wouldn't be bad to add a great wide receiver. Like, if they were to trade for Claypool, like, yeah, that'd be great. But I think what plagues this Packers offense is some discord between head coach and quarterback, some... Really big mistakes on the offensive line and injuries, and all of those things need to get fixed before they go trade for some guy, otherwise, it's not going to make a difference. Uh, downtown Billy says, I don't think the Bucks play until Thursday. Could be wrong. Do you, do you enjoy correcting me publicly? Is that what this is about? Did, that, I didn't need to know that. I would have figured that out. I would have figured that out. I would have figured that out between at some point tonight and tomorrow night. I would have realized, oh. I thought the Bucs play on Wednesday. They don't. They play on Thursday on TNT. But Billy, I'm so, I'm so glad. And I know Billy, so I'm being a jerk. But I'm so glad. Thank you. Oh my God, how much time you saved me. You just reorganized my mental schedule. I actually love when the Bucks don't play on Wednesday because that's when the huge slate of of games are. So if you're cruising League Pass, as I like to do, Wednesday night is a great night. I like when the Bucks play on Thursday or Tuesday, because that's the primetime night. It's like when the Packers play at three. I love that, because then I can just watch Red Zone at noon. All right, but thank you, Billy. God, thank you for your service to the show, alerting everyone that the Bucs play Thursday, not Wednesday. I'm sorry for misspeaking. Everyone, our crisis is over. And again, I <laughs> I know Billy, so I'm being a jerk. Let's talk about let's talk, let's talk about the Packers not using Aaron Jones enough. Because of all the issues that they have, I understand Joe Barry is a little bit of a simpleton. He's not a great defensive coordinator. That doesn't surprise me. Aaron Rodgers hasn't started the year great. Okay, that doesn't shock me. He's a slow starter. There's a little bit of a disconnect, I think, between Rodgers and his head coach. That's nothing new. That doesn't shock me. Some of these wide receivers are going through growing pains. That doesn't shock me. Matt LeFleur can't align his offensive line to save his life. That's nothing new. That doesn't shock me. What does blow my mind is their inability to give Aaron Jones the ball. This offense has a lack, a dearth, if you will, of dynamic playmakers, and Aaron Jones is a dynamic playmaker who's a veteran. So Aaron Rodgers should trust him. So Aaron Jones is the one guy who's a dynamic playmaker on this offense that Rodgers also trusts, and yet he's still not getting the ball. Thirteen possessions on Sunday, twelve touches. How Aaron Rodgers was asked about that on the Pat McAfee Show today. Let's listen in.
0: Every time that there's an L, you know, there's any type of adversity, there's always going to be narratives that come out of it, and. Easy one for us is, oh, we got to get the ball at 33 more. Um, and it's true. You know, when he touches the ball, good things happen. You know, he breaks tackles. He's probably our most elusive guy with the football in his hands. He had a beautiful 22-yard run they got called back on a holding that hurt us. That would have had us inside the 15 and first and 10. Um, but yeah, he's a dynamic player. And it's not like we're not trying. We have a lot of plays in the plan for him. We call certain. Uh, Passes just for him We have runs designed To get him the football We have an awesome running back In A.J. Dillon as well Who we're trying to get the ball to Uh, But A lot of things can Can dictate How much we get the ball And it's front It's coverages It's different things that we see Um, Again we're not trying to not Force feed him the ball Just sometimes the way That the the game shakes out He doesn't get as many touches As other games I mean like If you're scouting us, right? If you're you're scouting us, what are you going to try and take away? Like, what's at the top? Hmm? Stomp on your thumb. Yeah. yeah. And your COVID toe.
2: Okay, so there's a couple things I want to get into. There's a bigger picture discussion that I want to have that stems from this answer next, after the break. And there's there's some comments in that answer, those minute, 15 seconds, that were kind of thematic throughout Roger's comments. Uh, About a million different things on the McAfee show today, so I want to talk about that coming up next because it concerns me. So Rogers is talking about game script. Like oh it's not like we're not trying to get him the ball. It's just sometimes the, the game goes a certain way. <laughs> well <laughs> Rogers, I hate to break it to you my brother in Christ, but the game script and the game flow the last 3 weeks has sucked. So <laughs> well, like whatever you're trying to do that has gotten you away from getting the ball to Jones, don't get away from it cuz the like the road that you're going down is a crummy road like stay stay on the road that the that the game plan is right it's like I'm trying to think of an analogy for this and I'm just getting nothing it's like if I were driving to to meet my family for the holidays right and they live an hour away and I show up an hour late and they're like oh where were you and I was like well you know how the 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 flow goes of the road trip uh, it just took me off the beaten path I added a half hour to my trip for no reason it's like why did you do that I don't know <laughs> why did the why are the packers game scripting in a way that gets them away from Jones. Well, you know, the, the way that the game flows sometimes. Are you are you purposely trying to run bad offense? Because that's the only way that the game script should be getting you away from Aaron Jones. You know what I mean? He also talked at the very end of his comment, maybe you missed it, where he said, well, you know, the, uh, the opposing teams, the number one priority that they have is to take away Aaron Jones. Okay, well, your number one priority should be to get the ball to Aaron Jones. So you're telling me that your brain trust that's supposed to be scheming offense is being beaten weekly by the brain trust of the other team that's doing their best to take away your guy? That's not great. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. It's like, well, you know, the other teams are trying to take him away. Well, then you're saying the other teams are better and smarter than you. They're doing a better job trying to take Aaron Jones away than the job that you're doing trying to get Aaron Jones the ball. I don't, I don't love that. Also, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm out on the whole well, every answer that I've heard about Aaron Jones not getting enough touches basically circles back to either LaFleur or Rodgers saying, yeah, we got to get him more touches. Yeah, no kidding. It's week six. <laughs> you know what I mean? Again, week one against the Vikings. They didn't give him the ball enough. And we all walked away from that week thinking, huh, got to get Aaron Jones involved. I get it week one. I, I get it. I, I get it. Sometimes I, I sit down and I do the show, and at six o'clock, I look back and I think, dang, I... I forgot to do this and this and this and this other thing. Okay, I'm going to make a mental note to not forget to do those things again. And then moving forward, you know, I don't forget. They've played 6 games this year and in 3 of them, they've simply forgotten about Aaron Jones. Again, I get it once, but that Vikings game should have left such a reminder in the back of the head of Rodgers and of LaFleur. So it was impossible to forget about Aaron Jones again, right? Like you like uh last night, I was making veggie veggies in the oven. Oven-roasted vegetables, delicious. A lot of people steam broccoli, even better in the oven. Just 400, olive oil, light salt, pop them in. They're just fabulous. Uh, I follow Emeril Lagasse on Instagram, and he was showing how he makes his oven-roasted vegetables. So I was making oven-roasted vegetables last night. And when I put the pan in the oven, the top of my wrist touched the heating element on top of the oven. Ooh, ow, hot. Ah, yikes. I forgot that that was there. Guess what I'm not going to do when I go home tonight? Hit the top of the oven with my hand. Because I, I won't forget, I just got a reminder last night. Week one should have served as the hot the hot oven element on the wrist for Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. It's like, ah, I remember. I, I burned my hand in week one against the Vikings. I will not do that again. They've done it three times in six games where they just forget about Aaron Jones. It's so frustrating. So frustrating. Again, Aaron Jones checks all the boxes that Aaron Rodgers is looking for, right? Dynamic can get open, can make plays in both the passing and the running game. He's a veteran that he trusts. Boom, 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 checks all the boxes, right? And they still don't get him the ball enough. I don't know if it's a Rodgers problem or a flu. problem. It's both. It's everyone. every Everyone. Everyone's fault. It's just it's just unexcusable. I sound like I'm being too dramatic. I, I need to calm down. 608-796-2558. Text and call. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. We'll hear a little bit more from Rodgers. We'll talk more about this next on the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. It was high time for a couple of new bumper songs. Out with some of the old, in with some of the new. By the way, I've been back into Gordon Lightfoot in a huge way. Huge, huge back into Gordon Lightfoot. Gordon Lightfoot is perfect September-October music. And we are rapidly approaching, folks, not to alarm you, but we are rapidly approaching the anniversary of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. We do a special show for it every year. And I had a couple of people tweeting me about it. Cone Roller, LaCroix Butler, both asking about it on Twitter. Uh, I do have... Some guests in the works, this is gonna be awesome. So I'm not not trying to alarm anyone, but that is that's uh, gonna be an all-time show in a few weeks in early November. The Gales of November. They will they'll let you know. You'll feel it outside when it's time to do that show. They got some interesting talk to some interesting people looking to come on the show. Very excited. 608-796-2558 If you'd like to call or text, we're talking about some of the problems that are plaguing the Packers offense and whose fault those problems are. And I, I'm trying to be accurate. I'm trying to be appropriate because what I don't want to do this week is, oh, Rogers sucks. He's the worst. I hate him. I'm going to get rid of him. Blah, blah, blah. Matt LaFleur's an idiot. Uh, he's such a bad coach and he's so soft and blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, that might be fun. Like that's part of sports fandom, right? As we just yell about the things that make us mad. It's a good outlet. But I also want to be accurate and blame that we're giving a head coach or a quarterback. Like if we're going to complain about Roger's, well, he's a four-time MVP. He's still our best chance to win anything. If we're going to complain about Rodgers, let's be specific and be correct. Same with LaFleur. So that's kind of my goal today. Right now we're talking about how they just not using Aaron Jones, but we can talk about any any different items on the blame list, the struggles of the O-line and how soft this team is and the passing game just not working and all sorts of different things. Tim is in Sparta, 608-796-2558. What's up, Tim? How are you tonight, Grant? I am outstanding. The NBA is back. I'm watching Game 5 between the Yankees and the Guardians right now. There's just a lot of great sports this week. I'm a very happy man.
3: Wonderful. Before we get to uh, what's wrong with Green Bay, mm-hmm. I want to say uh, on the record mm-hmm. that the Doc Shader trade was it, not a bad deal at the time. Had they got players instead of the crap they got, I think it would have been okay. But... Going back to the
2: Packers All right, all right, all right. Yes, let's move on. Let's move on. Otherwise, it'll turn into a 10-minute thing. So I'm with you. Bing, bang, boom. On to the Packers. Yes.
3: All the things that you mentioned are obvious. Um, They need to obviously get rid of Newman. Uh, I don't understand why they don't have Tom's there. And then move uh, Jenkins back to the guard spot on the left side. Move Runyon over to the right. Uh, people who have never played the position have no idea how different it is when you're used to playing one place to try to play somewhere else. But you know, Newman was getting trucked left and right, uh, and it has been every time that he's been in. I do not understand why when they have Josh Nyman and Tom's uh, Tom's yeah, he's a rookie, yeah, but you know what, he's a yeah, uh, and and they need somebody on that line who's a mauler. Machiari is not who he once was, but he's still better than most. Um, so fix that offensive line. But the one thing that I have not heard uh, anybody mention, and if you'll look at it, you will find that I am correct. You will find that for these three, six games, or for, through these, these six games, mm-hmm. Roger has run less than at any other time in his
2: existence as a professional like as a as a running to pick up yards down the field type of running
3: yes what was the one thing that you always could count on rogers to do if nobody's open and he's got a lane to run sure even if it's for four or five yards and what does that do that means that the defensive line just can't come you know can't pin their ears back and come over and over and over again true Whereas he's just going to be static in the pocket and or not roll out like he, you know, did all the time. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing those two things, if you're not willing to run, even if it's just for a couple of yards, those guys know where you're going to be and they know that they can take advantage of it. There was two or three, I can't remember exactly which, times where he had the ability to pick up four, uh, you know, good three, four or five yards and chose to Throw the ball, which ended in an incompletion. Yeah. So, you know, he's not doing the things that the, the thing that always made him the most dangerous was the fact that he could take off and run. And he's just, for whatever reason, he's not willing to do that this year. Now, I know he's older. I, you know, I know he wants to save his legs and this and that and everything else. But you, you've now turned him into a quicker version of. A static in the box passer, without that, without that, you know, that ability to scare a defense. So we all know Joe Barry. I thought the defense played much better this week for three and a half quarters, and then they sucked. Um, it's just a total. I, I believe that Grover said and and I think you were right when they said they they're just lacking that order of toughness. Um and the offensive guys just seem to me to be I don't know uh, if they're not playing with a lead it's like they don't know how to play I, I yeah. don't understand they're, they're a front-running team. They're a
2: front-running team. You give them a lead and everything's going great, right? They're fantastic. They're great. They definitely know how to handle lead and success. But when there's little adversity, and, and Tim, another thing about this team, it became really clear to me watching the Broncos and the Chargers last night. The Broncos, for all of their flaws, most notably their quarterback and their head coach, their defense is fantastic, and their defense hits like a truck. Every player on the Broncos' defense hits Hard, Like I tweeted last night, the 14th guy on the Broncos defensive depth chart hits harder than the hardest hitting Packers defender. Like I watched some of these other teams and they just smack around running backs and wide receivers. And the Packers don't do that at all. There's just not an edge. There's not an aggression with this team.
3: I think you called um, it right. I I think it was you who said that, uh, um, Smith on the outside, and he has a good year and then he has a bad year. Well, he yeah. had pretty good last year. So, this year, he's not setting the edge. Um, there doesn't, and you're absolutely right, in that there's no, no hitter yeah. there. I mean, Kumble would level people last year, and all of a sudden this year, if he tackles somebody, it's just a tackle. It's not a, don't you dare get up because I'm going to hit you again. Yeah,
2: like I think when this defense tackles, and I appreciate the call, Tim, you gave us so many good points to talk about. When this defense tackles, it's more of, I'm going to softly wrap you up and hope that I can stop your momentum before you carry me to the first down marker. Where last night, Justin Herbert and, and these Chargers wide receivers, they're trying to attack the middle of the field and Herbert will zip a rocket ball in there at 80 miles an hour and it'll stick right to the wide receiver's hands six yards down the field and then pop. And they're they're done right there. They're not falling forward for two yards. They're not. They're getting nothing. They're getting crushed. Packers don't hit. I know we're not talking about the Packers' defensive deficiencies, of which there are many. Like the defense is really really disappointing. We're talking about the offense today. And Tim, you mentioned Rodgers and his hesitance to run. I don't want Rodgers running. I mean he's thirty eight. Like I don't I don't think that's a conscious decision where Rodgers came into the season this year and thought, you know I'm. I'm growing old and quite weary. I I now must not run. uh, I think if he could run, he would. He's old. You know what I mean? And he got outside the pocket a couple of times on Sunday. That throw to Tunyon when he rolled to the right and zipped a ball right past a corner and in front of a safety, a whole shot to Robert Tunyon, who was coming back across the formation, towards the sideline. Great play. Rodgers can still, I think, evade one rusher and get outside. He's not fast. He's not athletic like he used to be. And I don't want him running. I don't want Rodgers depending on his legs or his athleticism or his arm. I want him depending on good footwork, good mechanics, getting the ball out when it's supposed to get out to the player that it's supposed to go to. That's what I want Rodgers to do. And then one out of every 10 plays, one out of every 12, 15 plays, then sure, when nothing's open, then get out of the pocket, then make a play. But he can't improvise and play his own brand of football the way that he could even six or seven years ago. You know, right in 2016 when he was brilliant. Wasn't an MVP year, but he played like an MVP down the stretch when they ran the table. He can't play like that anymore. Problem is, when you win a couple of MVPs and you win them your way, you want to play your way. We've talked about this. This isn't just a Rogers thing. This is an aging quarterback thing. Russ is stubborn. Rogers is stubborn. Brady in a way is stubborn, but he's probably stubborn in a good way, right? These aging quarterbacks, they get stuck in their ways and they don't like to change. You can't really blame them because what they've done up until this point works. The problem is the league changes, their physical traits change, their coach changes, the scheme changes, everything changes. You got to change. You can't be brittle and stubborn. And too often these older quarterbacks are brittle and stubborn. 608 Vagabond John is here. Vagabond John, what's up?
4: So are you saying that we paid all this money for a minivan while all the other teams are buying freaking Ferraris out there, or what? Because, I mean, if it's third and two, and you run to your right, and you get to the line of scrimmage, and there's not a defender within 15 yards, and you still don't think that your legs can get you those two yards, six feet total? I mean, there was... I'm zoning it on one specific play, and I realize that that's an ineffective way to analyze a quarterback's performance, but to Tim's point, there were a couple plays where there were no defenders near him. We see Matt Ryan yeah. run more oh, effectively oh, oh, oh. than Aaron Rodgers right now. Yeah, And to me, like, I know I was big in the offseason saying, like, this is the terrible choice. We should have traded him, get the first-round picks, move on. I recognize that's hindsight. Yes, I'll take my victory lap, but... I realize that that's not helpful either. But to see this guy not take the two-yard run on third and two, and instead you're going to chuck it downfield into double coverage—it's just—it's really poor quarterback play in my mind, um, especially for the price that we're paying them.
2: Well, and that's think- that's the thing. Some of these teams have cheap young quarter. Really, and fantasy football is reflective of this too. There's really two classes of quarterbacks. There's young athletic quarterbacks that are physical and that can run. And that unlocks all of these different dimensions to a football game. And then there are the older quarterbacks that are more static and have to be pocket passers. And that limits an offense to such a degree. So if, like Rodgers or Brady or Matt Ryan, if you're only going to be a pocket passer, you have to be so good at it. And I just don't think this current level of play from Rodgers is good enough to justify at age 38, you know, all the other things he's missing out on that some of these younger quarterbacks can do.
4: I'd go farther, and I would say I don't know if there's ever a point in Aaron's career that he was a good enough peer pocket passer to, you know, demand this percentage of salary cap space because if you're a pocket passer and you have elite wide receivers, sure, but the way this team is built, you have to have a young mobile quarterback because your receivers are not going to get open on their first cut. You're going to rely on Aaron Jones, you know, uh, getting out in the flat and making some space. You you need to be able to create that time. That's why I, I just feel like Aaron Rodgers is one of the worst quarterbacks to run this system, and I think to your point that you were just talking about while I was practicing my drums like 20 minutes ago. Hell yeah. Yes. He's not in the right system for him. He wants a West Coast style. This is a totally different style than he's used to, and he no longer has that aspect to his game. I think we're just going to see, you know, Players drop off really quickly at the end of their careers. And there's a lot of blame to go around for what's happening in Green Bay right now. Um, As a dynasty owner of Aaron Jones, I just, I'm so sad. You know, the first two weeks looked great. Now, 12 touches, whatever. But I just think it's bigger than that. I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers can win without elite receiver talent. Um, and I'm really curious to see, you know, if we're going to rank
2: 25th in the league in offense. Where do we rank with Jordan Love? 26? Probably 27? probably not that much worse. But with the Jordan Love stuff, like, I'll say this. This is kind of my statement about Rodgers. Like, Rodgers isn't playing well right now. It's either going to happen this year with Aaron Rodgers or it's not going to happen. So, I, I like, that's, I, I'm stuck there. Like, bringing in Jordan Love doesn't fix anything. Obviously, like, I feel like I shouldn't need to say that, but I think I do. It's either going to happen with Rodgers and LaFleur and they're going to get it figured out or it's not going to happen. And I don't think trading for a wide receiver or going to Jordan Love is is changing the destiny of this team for the better. Come
4: on. But could you trade away Aaron Rodgers? Or
2: does that not make any sense? Am
4: I just going fully off the rails there?
2: Um, I don't know. Who would, who would trade that, for Aaron Rodgers right now? Sure, let's think about it. Let's have fun. Who would trade for Aaron Rodgers right now and give up
4: the huge haul?
2: The Browns. Who would they? Tra- what, and we get Deshaun Watson back?
4: Maybe I don't know, man. It was getting real crazy with it. No, I think trading a, a starting quarterback midseason never worked. Um, I, I don't think I trading. Just... I, I don't
2: think trading for a quarterback like it's working poorly for the Broncos. It's working poorly for the the Colts. I think the Rams succeeding last year by the skin of their teeth. That team was not that good. Gave such a horrible example, and all these teams that are following that example are going to fail.
4: Yeah, I would agree with that. I just think the roster building aspect. If you rewind, you know, over the last two years. Obviously the David Bocciari injury was terrible, but at the same time you did commit to paying an aging left tackle a ton of money. He's a huge salary cap space. Now Aaron Jones, you pay him a ton of money and now you're not using him. Jair Alexander, you pay him a ton of money and you're not using him the right way. This just feels like they're just not aligned. Football teams align really well when their players match their scheme and their roster building matches what they're trying to do with their scheme. And to me, the Packers are a good example of the opposite. They have a lot of talent. They're paying a lot of good players, but the scheme doesn't match their their player their play style. So I, I think their like-
2: I think their scheme is designed to match it. I think in in execution, it's getting lost. Whether that's in in meetings or in the play calling process or with Rodgers, it's getting botched and flubbed somewhere. I got to take a break, vagabond John. I'm sorry. Can we talk Badgers later sure, this sure. week?
4: Hey, Michigan State, the worst college town in the Big Ten. That's <laughs> all I got. I was there. It was bad. Their bars suck. I would much rather go to UW-La Crosse. Obviously, it's a great college town. Hell yeah. Give me uw Claire. Possibly
2: give me uw Stevens Point. That's oh! about as far as I'm going to go. When in um, doubt, go to Stout. People forget about lovely Menominee, too. Well, easy there. No tacos. <laughs> all right. I, I got to go. I just have to take a break. Thanks, Macamount, John later yep yeah have a good one we'll be back three minutes wisco sports show
1: this is the wisco sports show with grant bills on the wisconsin sports zone radio network
2: wisco sports show thank vagabond john for that great call tim and sparta Great chats with a couple of callers so far. First of all, no one's saying that we should trade Aaron Rodgers. Like, don't tell your friends, oh, did you hear the Whisper Sports the other night? Grant was saying they should trade Aaron Rodgers. No. Can we just not have fun conversations? Kick some ideas around what ifs? Like Vinny texts in says, no, it's not gonna happen. Sean texts in says, relax. It's three and three. They got 11 games left. No one's saying calm down. Okay. Don't 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 freak out so much on me. Jason on Lower Tanner Lake says, I agree with your callers. Rogers isn't running anymore, and there are lanes all over the place to escape and get something. I just think that's a microcosm of not taking the two or three yards when it's there sometimes, right? Look on third and two. Take the two yards, whether it's with your feet or with your legs. Don't always be looking so far down the field. So maybe that's just a symptom of the big play longing, the big play disease, it's called. We can workshop that. Let's take a break, come back two minutes on the Wisco Sports Show.
0: some things it was very simple things very simple plays then we need to simplify things rein it in a little bit let's just simplify some things the simplest plays are the best plays reel it back in a little bit and simplify some things
1: this is where wisconsin gathers to talk sports packers brewers badgers bucks the wisco sports show is on the air now here's your host grant bills
2: good ground on the packers tonight. I think we're closer to finding the truth about what plagues this team. We're 3 and 3. A lot of ball game left, a lot of season left. And as Rodgers said on the McAfee show today, Niners are 3 and 3, Rams are 3 and 3, Buccaneers are 3 and 3. No one's running away with this conference other than the Eagles. Which I don't even think it's a lock that the Eagles will be the one seed or the Bills. This is something that really bothers me about sports media. It's like, well, you can just call the AFC for the Bills now. They'll be the one seed. Nobody's catching them. Why? Because they have a, t- a two-game lead? There's 11 weeks left. 12 weeks. 11 games, I guess, technically. Well, the Eagles, I mean, they're going to be the one seed. I-, I-, I can't find any losses on their schedule. Hey, you know when we said that? We said that about our Packers going into the New England game. Well, they'll win the next three going into Buffalo. Yeah, okay. They're one and two, barely. Right. So let's let's take it easy on the big proclamations about what's going on in either conference, who's getting what seed. We're only through six weeks. However, there is a lot that is frustrating this Packers team. There's a lot that's not going right on this Packers team. And I think today, over the last hour, we've really started to get our thumb on what's wrong. So let's keep going. Let's keep deeping, deeping diving. Let's keep deep diving into what's going on with this team. We'll hear a little bit more from Rogers. I have some comments today that I think are pretty interesting. And we'll hear from Mike Clemens at 530 as well. He'll join the show. 608-796-2558. If you'd like to jump in here, you can tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. Logan in the Dirty Mill, one of our 414 listeners Uh, chiming in, become a substantial part of the show. It says, Commanders minus seven is nearly plus 500. I'm shaking in my boots waiting to hammer that. Yeah, betting against Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers is a profitable enterprise right now. I will say that, especially because you're getting plus money, right? The betting markets still respect to the Packers to a degree. They respect him over the Jets and the Giants and the Commanders. Now, when they play the Bills, you know, then you'll see a spread. But again, some of these lesser opponents, quote unquote, lesser opponents, the markets still really respect the Packers, and people are going to bet the Packers because people like to bet Aaron Rodgers in a big name. So if you're really out on the Packers, you want to make some money, you can get pretty good odds. Commanders are plus 500, minus 7. That's pretty good. Or just bet them. Hell, bet them on the money line, too. Really double down. If you, if you really don't buy into the Packers, and you really think they're going to lose this week, bet them. I mean, those are great odds. Bet them against the spread. Bet the money line. Just take it all. Logan, you've been making pretty good money betting against the Packers the last few weeks. Big Joe is here. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. What's up, Big Joe? What's up, Grant? How you doing, buddy? I am doing outstanding. I'm looking forward to six o'clock when we get a, another installment of Kenny and Heilprin. Looking forward to those two.
5: Always good to hear from Ben and Zach, right? Oh,
2: they're the best. Yes, absolutely.
5: Zach Heilprin and Wisconsin Ford Zone Radio oh, update.
2: <laughs> love Zach. It's been a while since Zach's been on the show. I want to find time this seen week. i but... long time, man. Well, no, he's he, always a
5: good guy. I always was, like seeing him.
2: He was under the weather right when the Chris news broke, and that was a busy time. And then, right, he's got a show Tuesday and Thursday. So I get he's busy, but I got I to gotta do a good job of reaching out in advance and saying, hey, Zach, next week, do you have time? Because I, I do everything at the last minute, and I fly by to see the pants. But it's I been should, too long since we've I talked to Zach, so I got to get at, him.
5: Right. I should go see him at Monks one of these nights because, I mean, I used to listen to as old, his old gig, so I yeah. should go
2: see him. Go see him on Monks on Thursday. Tonight they'll be live from six to seven right after the conclusion of this show so you can listen to them talking about I see Ben exactly. Kenny's cool hey, I got question. The... Yeah, yeah one sec. Tonight's Benny Ben exactly, Kenny's pool question is the, uh... uh whether or not they're gonna make a bowl. So that's what they'll talk about tonight. There you go. There's the preview <laughs> yeah, show for Kenny Halpern. What's up, Big Joe? Sorry.
5: That's a great <laughs> question, buddy. You know I was gonna say I think the bowl streaks in jeopardy, my man.
2: Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. It's...
5: Yeah, and I've been seeing it all week with Evo too. It's one of those things. At this point right now, Grant, who's worse, the Badgers or the Packers? Um,
2: well, relative to expectation, it eh, might be pretty similar. I, I don't know that we expected the Badgers to be amazing after we saw the first couple of weeks. I expect a lot more right. than this from the and Packers.
5: I just wish that we could get Grant merch to just transfer out of town, like get him oh, on the next plane or something.
2: Come on. Come on now. Come on.
5: I'm on the, I'm on the Dave from Inona boat for that I know Dave wants him gone, too. Well, it's all the root beer
2: and pizza. These kids are getting fat and happy. They're too entitled. Exactly. That's what that's what Dave's been saying. Yeah, uh, That is what Dave has been saying. Yes, that is him. Uh, no,
5: I'm excited, obviously, for my Padres. I'm excited for opening night oh. for the NBA, which, by the way, yeah, you and me are going to talk NBA on Thursday, so that'll be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, we're going to do a... Uh... So Thursday we'll talk about opening night tonight, and then a big slate on Wednesday. Wednesday night is the best night to lead pass. Wednesday and Friday oh, are the good night, and then Thursday the Bucks will be on TNT. They'll be playing the Sixers, so that's exciting.
5: Yep, I'll be watching that because I still have Dish Grant, so I obviously I don't get Valley Sports Wisconsin. So anytime dish the Bucks are ba- like, Dish,
2: doesn't have Valley Sports.
5: No, they haven't for years. Uh, Nelson and I were talking about this one day too, like on air and off air. Uh, the last time that we actually saw a Valley Sports thing. Get ready to laugh. Keston Hura hit a walk-off home run to beat the Cubs.
2: Oh, damn. He said, how long ago so that was that? Been, I don't even remember was, that. Yeah, but. that must have been... I think it was Keston's rookie year or it was his second year. Like, one of those two. Yes, yeah, so that would have been, what, 2019? Yeah, it would have been 2019. Around there, yeah. Pre-pandemic. Wow. Why do you have dish then? Why don't get... If you're paying for cable, pay for the cable that gets you what you want. I, I don't get, like... I understand cable is a pain in the ass and some of these media rights deals. Right. And out. Like, I get it. It sucks, for, but... It's like, just
5: for me, man. Okay. It's,
2: just, it's me
5: living in... I rent for my mom. So, I mean, it's just me. So, it's just, you know, what I
2: can afford, basically. All right. All right. I get it. All right. Let's wrap up with some Packers. Uh, by the way... What's your, what's your Packers take on the offense? You need to add something before we wrap this up. Sure. Packers, <laughs> Packers
5: take it on going the end on a bad note for you. All right. It's a Packers take. Mm-hmm. I do want him to go out and get a receiver. I think that the Chase Clay Tools of the world sound great. I think, obviously, you missed out on Robbie Anderson. I mean, right now, Evo said it best, too. There's a dumpster player in Carolina. If he can get more, he would not be a bad receiver because he's a guy that likes to go deep, and yeah. Rodgers could get it to him. Um, and then, Grant, last night you told me uh, Melvin Gordon was going to get a touchdown or have a big game. He got me 0.8 in my league. I ended up losing a yeah. five and one now. I was am uh, in a three way tie.
2: I was thinking about you last night, Big Joe, because I remember we wrapped up the show last night, and I said, "Oh, Melvin Gordon will get you that I easy." Almost, man, I almost, <laughs> I almost picked up Mike Boone too. I almost pulled the trigger, but you I'm like, should, you know, know, I'm gonna
5: stick with. I'm, I'm like I'm gonna stick with Gordon and see what happens, but. I'm going to three-way tie for first. I'm five and one. I'm not complaining.
2: Well, well done, Big Joe. And hey, I appreciate the call. You have an awesome night, buddy. And good luck to your Padres. Yeah, I thought of Big Joe last night. Because we said before the end of the show, he called in, said I got Melvin Gordon, and I said, hey, Big Joe, thank you. Now I have a reason to watch. I have some scratch. I'll think of you, and I'll watch Melvin Gordon. And then Melvin Gordon got benched, and he was standing on the sideline looking all depressed. Oh, I'm sorry, Big Joe. Oh, no one deserves that. That's That's just... That's terrible. So you mentioned a receiver like Chase Claypool or DJ Moore. The Panthers are having a fire sale. Yeah. I don't think it solves the problem. I think it makes the Packers better. Let's start there. I think adding Chase Claypool or DJ Moore, I think that improves the Packers. The Packers are a better team if they were to trade for DJ Moore, who costs a lot of money, or if they were to trade for Chase Claypool. That makes the team better. But I don't think it fixes the Packers. Right? The Packers a lot of issues right now. They need to get their O-line aligned and figured out. You need to lock Matt LaFleur and Adam Stenovich in a room and figure it out because they have lots of guys who can play lots of different positions. And they're starting all of these guys. It seems at the wrong spot. I don't think Royce Newman needs to be out there. He was lost all game on Sunday afternoon. I would rather live and die with Zach Tom. Well, Zach Tom's a rookie. The Packers have a great history the last couple of years of finding and identifying rookies that can play early on. Rookies that are really good. Even rookies that play out of position like Elton Jenkins. Right? So the Packers got to figure out their offensive line first and foremost. Right? That's, they got to get healthy. They got to get Sammy Watkins back because he's depressingly important to this team. Got to get Christian Watson healthy and continue to work with them. And then Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers need to sit down and just clear up some things. Like, hey, you're trying to do this. I'm trying to do this. What's working? What's not? Like, almost start over. Because really, when they started 2020, that offense was clicking. And then in 2020, the offense was clicking. And I get now Devontae Adams is gone. And Devontae Adams not only got a a million targets a game, but he also had gravity to make life easier for everyone else. So I think Rodgers and the floor almost need to start over. Not in week six, not completely create a new playbook, but they need to say, hey, let's look at the first six games. This has worked. This has not worked. How can we build off the things that have worked? How can we scrap the things that don't work? Like, they need, they need a big heart-to-heart because it just doesn't look in sync right now. And it's both of them, right? They both need to work together to do that. So they need to get their offensive line figured out. They need to get healthy. They need to get their playbook synced up and get Rodgers in sync with his coach and with his wide receivers. And then if all of that stuff happens, sure, then adding an additional wide receiver could really take this team up a level. But I really don't think adding another wide receiver does a whole hell of a lot if they can't fix the fundamental issues that have been so evident through these first six games. 608 Cone Roller is here. What's up, Cone?
6: Hey, Grant. In, in accordance with what Aaron Rodgers has been saying all week, I'm mm-hmm. going to keep this call simple. I love it. Um, Packers, I disagree with you. They, I think they need to go out and add a receiver. It doesn't even have to be a great one. It could be a bet you know, the Robbie Anderson's of the world, DJ Moore. But I just think that will do a lot for this offense. It'll bring another vet leadership into the wide receiver room. Okay. Someone that Rogers, you know, can really respect what they've done in the league. Cause I think that goes a long way with Rogers. And, you know, at this point you paid the guy $50 million. You're at the point of no return. You, you kind of have to be going all I in. Agree with if that. you're yeah. duty. And if, if that takes first round draft picks, I mean, I'm, I think as, as Packers fans, we have to be okay with that. Do you need to give up a first
2: to get DJ Moore, Clay, Chase Claypool, do you think?
6: No, I'm not saying that you do. I don't know what it would cost to get those guys. I'm not a, you know, one of those trade either. machine gurus well, that I you mean, see all over just, Twitter. It
2: seemed like DJ Moore just got paid a bunch of money. The Packers were like, hey, we're taking this contract off your hands, so we're not going to give you premium draft capital. Chase Claypool, the problem is they're going to have to trade for him and then not immediately pay him, but they're going to have to pay him at some point. And that factors in, like, obviously how many picks you give up. I think this season, Cohen, it makes more sense than the last few for the Packers to go get a wide receiver. If there's a year they're going to do it, I think it's this year.
6: Yeah, because after you posted that 2020 offense uh, against the Vikings, I watched that, and, like, the majority of the big plays and, like, where the offense was flowing was going all through Adams. And they're really, I think, really missing you know, I mean, there was a reason Rodgers was throwing in the ball 70% yeah. of the time. Yeah.
2: And then even when he wasn't throwing to Adams, I think now what I'm really starting to realize is, oh, okay, so these other guys had chances because Adams was attracting half the defense, right? And now that Adams isn't doing that, Al Lazard doesn't have that one-on-one, or Romeo Dobbs doesn't have that one-on-one. I'm I'm with you, Cone. I just, I don't think bringing DJ Moore in here tomorrow all of a sudden completely changes this team. I think a lot of the issues... That live on this offense still live there. It's just they have a more talented wide receiver, and maybe that helps a lot. But I still don't think it turns them into a Super Bowl team.
6: Yeah, I I agree with you. And you know, it's football is obviously the most team forward game. You know, in American sports, so you know, takes takes a village. And at the end of the day, I think they just need to instill some like adrenaline into this team. You know, as football is obviously a violent game and you, at the end of the day, you line up head-to-head with your opponent, and you got to punch him in the face. And it, it, LeFleur doesn't really give that message. Rodgers isn't that rah-rah kind of leader, and I, they're missing some sort of voice that's going to get the yeah. team amped and, and ready for
2: battle. If only they could get a P.J. Tucker-type wide receiver. You need someone like that. Exactly. Who would be That's that what great. I was
6: kind of hoping for with uh, Deshaun Jackson.
2: I liked the I texted uh, Ben Kenny the other day, and I said, "What about Deshaun Jackson?" He's like, "He's old and washed." I'm like, "Well, maybe." maybe. I don't. I don't know, but I I kind of like Deshaun Jackson. And he went to where did he go today? I saw I saw the Rams. No, Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah, that's right. And then Rob, Robbie Anderson going to the Cardinals is so perfect. Like, of course, that's where he went. Cardinals are such a clown yeah. People car.
6: people are freaking out in the streets out here. I was at you know people were asking me all over Phoenix. Cone, cone. <laughs> You know, what do you think of the Robbie
2: Anderson trade? <laughs> you get stopped no. at the at the gas station, at the quick trip out there, people asking you? Oh, my God. Yeah, all the time, all the time. All right. Well, this has gone on long enough. Cone, I appreciate the call. Man, have an awesome night. Yep. That's yeah, our, you too. Yeah, right. have a good one. That's our friend Cone Roller on Twitter. I think Cone and I agree on, on most things. I don't think it hurts to add a wide receiver. I'm not saying it, it, it hurts. I, I just, I don't know if they bring in a new wide receiver and all of a sudden this offense looks different. I think they have... Structural, fundamental issues that can be fixed, and those things need to be fixed to really allow this team to get to the level they want to get to. That doesn't like a great wide receiver, a Chase Claypool, a DJ Moore, whoever fill in the blank. Like that helps, but unless you fix the fundamental issues, like the offensive line and the alignment, that's just wrong. And if you can't get healthy, if you can't get Watson and Watkins back. And Rodgers and the floor can't get on the same page. I think it's just a lot of window dressing to go out and trade for a wide receiver. Might help a little bit here and there. Like, maybe you beat the Giants if you have DJ Moore. But I don't think you're going to win playoff games, even in a much weak, uh, much weaker NFC than we're used to. Rory tweets in. Says, you keep saying the NBA is back tonight and Bucks play tomorrow. You do know tomorrow is Wednesday and the Bucks play on Thursday night. I know you are all caught up in the moment, but unfortunately you have to wait an extra day to watch the best in the world. Why do you guys care so much about this? I said back at four o'clock that the Bucks played tomorrow. It was obviously an accident. Is this is this why you guys listen? R- you like, are you just are you getting a hard on right now, Rory? You don't even watch regular season basketball. You were tweeting at me this morning. Oh, it's April already. That's such a stupid tweet. You know what I don't do? You know what I, you know what I don't do? I don't go into the Twitter mentions of Ben Kenny and Zach Hyoprin and the diehard Badger fans of the world and rain all over your parade on Saturdays. Like, oh, Badgers. Maryland in the rain at 11 a.m. You guys are getting excited on Twitter. Go off. You know what I don't do is hop in your mentions and say you guys are morons for wasting three and a half hours of your life watching Graham Mertz. When, actually, I might be right. Like, was it, and I watched Wisconsin-Michigan State on Saturday. I watched all of that game, and I walked away thinking, eh, that was kind of fun, but also that was probably a huge waste of my afternoon because both of these teams stink, and neither team did anything. You want to watch college football from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m.? That's awesome. That's great that you love that. I love the NBA, and yet people get in my mentions like, I can't believe you watch the regular season. So I like to watch the best player in the world that plays for my team. Seems like a pretty worthwhile investment of my time. Giannis plays for the Bucs. Never going to have a player this good again, ever. Bucks will probably never be this good again in my lifetime. Oh, I'm the idiot, though. I watch NBA. God, what a moron. Sammy Watkins is depressingly important. Yeah, that was the quote. Thanks for the text. Yeah, I, of, course, of course he's important. Of course, we're in week six saying, oh, I got to get Sammy Watkins back. Oh my God. Let's take a three minute break. We'll come back. Got to debrief, maybe hear a little bit from Aaron Rodgers before we get to Mike Clemens. It's the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Simply. Simplify some things. I think it's
0: going to be in our best interest to simplify things. Just simplify some things and simplification notwithstanding. And that's why I think we need to simplify things. It was very simple things. Very simple plays. Then we need to simplify things. Now it's, oh, we need to simplify. Reign it in a little bit. Let's just simplify some things. Uh, the simplest plays are the best plays. Might be time to reel it back in a little bit and, and uh, simplify some things. Simple mistakes. We're making simple mistakes on complex plays. To me, the natural response is to simplify things even more.
2: We're making simple mistakes on concept plays. Complex plays. That was my attempt at Aaron Rodgers' impression, obviously. Go well. Mike Clemens is going to be here in 10 minutes. Hear about what he saw at Lambeau on Sunday. Talk to a couple of people yesterday who were at the game one perry goldstein was there he was tweeting out pictures she said she had a great time despite you know the crummy weather in the game which is outstanding Talked to somebody in lacrosse today you said uh you know maybe could have skipped it knowing the result and the weather <laughs> like yeah maybe could have saved the gas and the travel yeah all right i feel that not a great game on sunday weather wise play wise offense defense special teams just not great and we'll talk about it with Mike Clemens, who is there. We'll get the details from him coming up in just a few. 608-796-2558. Rockin' Rick says, I think soft means they're not playing with heart. Coaches should have more incentives. They seem to be, uh, they seem to once they have money losing is fine. Why would you word that that way, Rockin' Rick? Like, I know exactly what you mean. Did you try to word that like a two-year-old? You mean like when there's money on the line for a contract? I just love how you worded this. They seem to once they have money losing is fine. Like, I, n- <laughs> the funny thing is I know exactly what you mean. I just, I'm, so, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing just in general. So you're saying in a contract year, Preston Smith is going to ball out. right? Or Devondre Campbell, or Rasul Douglas, but nowadays not. Back at 4 o'clock when we were talking about blame and who gets blamed for what, and we were talking about how the team is a little soft and they don't they don't have the heart that I see other teams play with. I blame that mostly on Matt LaFleur. I think Rodgers takes some blame as well because we saw the team quit on offense you know, a couple of times in 15 and, and in some blowouts throughout the years, and that was before Matt LaFleur ever got to town. That was years before. That was five, six years before Matt LaFleur got to town. But I think mostly it falls on the head coach, and the way I described it is You see other teams that have a lot of heart and passion to try to win. Whereas the Packers, it always seems like they're scared that they're going to lose. Like the Packers play to avoid losing where other teams play really hard to try to get the win. And I think there's an important difference. And I think that starts with the head coach. That starts with Matt LaFleur. Derek says, breathe deeply. Great song by Tame Impala. Uh, Screw the ones who point out the little things. Yeah, the little things. Yeah, we, we, we sometimes get the little things wrong on the show. I don't get the big things wrong, though. That's for sure. It's not like the day after the Bucks won the title, I was reading the wrong box score or anything. All-time moment of the show. We're hearing a little bit from Aaron Rodgers, and he talked about on the Pat McAfee show today why Aaron Jones hasn't been getting the ball, and it was very frustrating. He also just recapped the Jets game. It's a minute, 31 seconds long. I'm going to play this for you and then talk about why this frustrates me. And it's not even on Aaron Rodgers. It's not Aaron Rodgers that's frustrating me. It's this team.
0: Well, they got a lot of good players. Uh, they got good schemes, good players. They added to their mix since we played them last year. They added, uh, obviously, through the draft and a couple of guys free agency that can really play. They got a couple of guys that can really cover. They got uh, veteran leadership on the back end. They signed uh, Whitehead, who's a good player signed Joyner, who's a good player, veteran guys. He played a lot of football. Obviously, the guy in the middle mostly is a really talented player. They added uh, Quan next to him. D-line is stout. You know, they, they thought they had a good plan for us. A lot of twists up front that we just didn't handle very well. And then, you know, real stud, uh, young corner uh, out of Cincinnati, I believe, uh, Gardner. Solid. Who's You know, who can who can really play. And then offensively, they added some weapons. They've got a good runner. Zach is, you know, going to be a really talented guy in the league for a long time, I believe. Uh, wasn't a great day throwing the ball for you know for anybody, but um, you know they made uh, obviously more plays. They blocked a punt. They blocked a uh, field goal. Um, you know we just uh, kind of had a, a dud of a game. So I don't know if there's a whole lot you can take uh, take with take with it. I will say you know there's a lot of people uh, if you're looking preseason at the, the NFC. You know four teams uh, for sure in the conversation. Uh, San Fran, L.A., Tampa, and us, right? And those other teams, obviously, you know, we thought uh, Philly and Dallas were going to be talented. Minnesota, Minnesota, of course. You knew Minnesota was going to be good. Um, but those four, for sure, were talked about. All four of us are three and three.
2: So he's talking about the Jets. Well, the Jets have good players. They have good scheme. The Packers have good players. You know what I mean? I think Matt LaFleur has great scheme. The defense has great players. Joe Barry might be a pumpkin, might need help putting his sweatshirts on in the morning, but <laughs> thank you. why is it that every time that this team loses to another team, I, I, I ultimately am explained, he's mansplaining me, is really what he's doing. He's saying, well, the Jets have good players. I know, Aaron. That's what I said last week when Jair was cocking off in the locker room about how, well, if we lose next week, I'll be worried. And I'm thinking, hey, excuse me, the Jets are actually a pretty good team. They're better than the Giants. And then a week later, when you no-show, you're explaining, well, the Jets get paid, too, and they have some pretty good players. I know, but the Packers, you guys are good. You guys have good players. You guys have good scheme. Why? Make it make sense. Make it make sense. So frustrating. And then at the end, well, we just, we laid a dud. Not much you can take away from it. Oh, well, there's a lot I can take away from it. I now know very clearly that this team can lay big duds. That's what I took away from this game. It's a team I don't want to bet I bet, bet on. That's for sure. You would bet against Logan and the Dirty Mills been texting the show every day saying, hey, I'm betting the Packers against uh, the spread. I'm betting the Packers on the money line. I'm betting against the Packers in every sort of different way. Not much you could take away from this game. Well, I can take away that this Packers team poops its pants at home and they stop trying after the second quarter. I can take that away from this game. God. Let's take a break. We'll come back five minutes. Talk to Mike Clemens. Back in five minutes on the Wisco Sports Show. Stick around.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Simpler. Simpler. Let's simplify some things. Uh, I don't know what that means.
2: <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's actually a pretty good way to answer the question without leading to any drama, leading to any discourse. Just say, "Ah, uh, I don't I don't I don't know what that means. Although, for me, that would apply to most things that Rodgers has ever said in a press conference. It's like, well, he said a lot of words. Uh, I'm not really sure what it all meant. Mike Clements is here. Mike is obviously present at all of these press conferences. Did you know what Rodgers meant after the game on Sunday when he kept talking about simplifying things?
7: No, I'm just enjoying the Ronnie Millsap right now. Oh, it's a great song, You're isn't on. it? Thank you. It's I love outstanding. Ronnie. <laughs> outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, yeah, I... but. Aaron Rodgers talking about simplification seems to be a contradiction because anytime you talk to Aaron Rodgers about what he expects from a wide receiver and route running and timing Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, when you come to the line, you know, there's the offense that's on paper, then there's my offense on the field and making reads and on and on and on. And Aaron is, you know, I've been covering this guy since he arrived in Green Bay the day after the draft mm-hmm. in 2005, and they let I was one of three guys guys—they took upstairs and we got to do a one-on-one. He's, he's never lied to me in 18 years, except for the one time when he said, yeah, I've been immunized. That got a little sketchy. Yeah. That got a little sure. sketchy. But the fact of the matter is there's one uh, back and forth in the last two or three years that I don't quite understand, because Aaron said, when he was talking about, well, what do you think about all this misdirection that and this Shanahan offense that Matt LaFleur brings to Green Bay? And he says, yeah, you know, Mike never wanted to do that. Mike McCarthy never wanted to do that. He wanted us to have matchups. And then you just throw, you know, to, you stand up there and you spread them yeah. five wide and you look for the, for the best matchup. Oh, you know, hey, look, we've got a linebacker on this wide receiver. That's where we're going to throw the ball. Yeah. They snap the ball and that's what you do. Then Mike McCarthy, after he'd been fired, a year after he'd been fired, was doing a Wisconsin interview, and they said, Yeah, well, you know, how come you didn't do more of this motion stuff? He says, Aaron never wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. But in the meantime, now you got Aaron, after this dominating loss uh, by the Jets, you know, performance put on by them, uh, saying, We need to simplify, and he went into detail. Now we'll play. You know, he, he gave a complicated answer and then today on McAfee he has to explain his complicated answer. And I'm not I'm not being sarcastic or cynical, because uh, Rogers has been great this year mm-hmm. to talk to, both on you know, on the record and off the record. Nice. And he, he's an amazing he made he did still make some pretty amazing throws under duress, but you got a game where the quarterback doesn't look like the MVP, the offensive line doesn't seem that they can block, the wide receivers can't catch a ball or run consistent routes. Um, and, and you and you keep on forgetting that you've got two running backs standing there in the backfield or on the sidelines waiting to carry the football. and this dysfunction seems to just spin out of control. Let's take you over to the Jets locker room where Quinn Williams is not that big of a guy. I thought he would be like these 49ers guys that Robert Sala used to have out in San Francisco. He's about six three, he's about 300. But I love the technique where they get down on all fours, that Jets defensive line, and they get underneath the pad level of the Packers offensive line, and they launch into these guys 65 snaps a game. And and Williams had 14 combined tackles, and so the New York press is so excited to have a team with a winning record, said, is this a statement win by beating the Packers at Lambeau Field?
0: I don't think it was a statement or anything like that. I think we're just coming in and we try to execute and communicate every single day. And I feel like when we execute and communicate, um, we're a great defense.
2: I think they made a statement. They just hit harder, Mike. I was watching the Broncos last night. and I'm like, God, every single player on this Broncos defense hits hard. Like every play, it's, there's a, it's a statement in and of itself. I don't see this on either side of the ball with the Packers. Nobody's hitting anyone hard. The Packers are always the team getting hit.
7: No, they're not talking about schedules. They're not talking about veteran days off. They're not talking about, they're just, they're out. At, they're not worried about the injury report. They're hitting hard. They're motivated. They're playing with their hair on fire. They are motivated. And Sauce Gardner, yeah. you know, with the bling and coming out of the draft and a high draft pick, well, listen, he's been worth the first-round pick. He's getting better every week. He got that pick, you know, the week before Green Bay. Now, when he came into camp, C.J. Mosley, their veteran uh, middle linebacker with the Jets now, has you know been around the league at other teams, he, he said, you know what, kid, we're calling you Ahmad uh, until you do something in a real game. Yeah. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks into the season they did that the veterans and the Jets said, okay, man, you are the sauce. You are the sauce. I'm walking by Sauce Gardner, who's doing a one-on-one interview after the game in his shoulder pads and everything, and he's a good kid. The fact that he put on a cheese head and ran off Lambeau Field, which Alan Lazard knocked off his head in the tunnel, you know, kind of like running out to the middle of the star, yep. you know, and the Dallas Cowboys. Thought he, the same thing. You know He's just having fun. He's entertaining. You know, he's just being himself, and he's living up to it as a, as a football player. That's fine. That's fine. So he's doing this interview, and, and I walk past, and I hear this like, oh, man, i got to get a copy of this, because... He was, he was telling this reporter from New York, he was telling her, you know, the great thing about playing my first game here at Lambeau is that these, this crowd is so smart when they their offense and Rodgers is out there, it's so quiet, it helped us on the Jets' defense in our communication.
8: Oh Yeah, it was, it was excellent. You know, and that's, that's what's great about this field. This is my first time being here, but it was, it was quiet when we was on defense. So, like, everybody was able to communicate, you know, and uh, be on the same page.
2: What was Coach Salah's message to the team in the locker room after the win today?
8: Uh, <clears throat> they chose us. When you go play foot, when you go play in London, you can pick if you want to a bye week right after, or you can pick, you know, what team you want to play, and they picked they picked us. So. You know, they thought they was going to get the same old Jets, but, you know, we came out there today and dominated.
2: Why is it that other teams can get angry about things and get fired up and take things personally and motivate themselves? And the Packers are just like, they're walking into every week just crossing their fingers they don't lose. These other teams, they just find ways to motivate themselves. They find ways to gain an edge, and the Packers just don't.
7: Well, you know, Matt lafleur has got this incredible winning record for a first-time head coach. Mm -hmm. He just had a 15-game winning streak at home snapped to this Jets team. But you talk about if you feel like David and Goliath, and you're trying to coach up your team, Robert Sala, his best friend, the best man at his wedding, Robert Sala said, I talk to Matt nearly every day just to check in. I love the guy. I love the guy. Robert Sala over in the New York locker room, he called his defensive line my ball of uh, my rolling ball of butcher knives, <laughs> oh. my rolling ball of butcher knives. Right. Every one of the New York reporters said to Salah, what did you say to motivate this Jets team to beat the Packers like they did today at Lambeau Field?
1: Um, you know what? Um, the, the mindset to go 60 minutes and uh, and to give them 60 percent more and just keep giving them body blow after body blow after body blow and just keep hitting them, keep hitting them in the mouth. O-line, just keep pushing and just keep leaning on them. And we felt like if we can just keep taking them down to deep water, they'll find out they can't swim.
3: We're going to drown them, Grant.
2: Yeah. We're
3: taking them into the deep water. We're going
2: to drown them. That's his best buddy. He just called his best buddy's team soft. They can't can't handle it. They can't take it.
7: Yeah. So in the meantime, then you go down to the Packers locker room and there's Aaron Rodgers at the podium talking about, you know, what, we we just got to simplify this offense. You know, Simple. it's too complicated, Simple. and Simple. and Simple. we can't be doing the motions. And then, and then that's in the news cycle for 48 hours. And he's he's ripping on the national media. I don't think he's ripping us guys that cover him locally. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, as you know, you're kind enough on my sh- on your show that when I play a quote from these players, we play the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So here's Aaron Rodgers today on the McAfee Show asked, "Hey, what's all this thing about simplifying the offense, Aaron Rodgers?"
0: Listen, that was part of a long answer about uh, a lot of different things that I was combining. Um, but at the heart of it is execution, and the most important thing is executing the plan and, and scoring points. And when I mentioned that, which probably won't get any headlines because it doesn't fit any type of uh, narrative that uh, is out there about a three and three team, is is how hard the coaches do work and how the plan. You know, it comes together each week with a lot of study, a film review, self-scout as they put together, you know, their 20-some-odd runs and <clears throat> more than that passes that they install from week to week. Uh, the point was that if we're not executing those plans, which, to be honest, are not the most complex things uh, the majority of the time, then the only uh, slight reaction might be to even simplify things even further. Um and it doesn't—it doesn't mean uh, you know less motions or uh, less checks and lines. It just means let's make sure that uh, you know these guys can handle what we're doing. Um, it's really—it was really an alert for our players. Like we need to lock in a little bit more um, and and simplify things in our own mind. You know, even the most complex plays can be simplified in our mind to the simple things we have to do on that play. Whether it's a certain step we got to take. Body language—we got to use on these plays—and we just got to be better at the details. I think that's the, the real thing I was trying to stress: is, is the details have not been good enough. We've had multiple plays where ten guys are doing something right, and one guy isn't. Where nine guys are doing it right, and two guys are not on the same page uh, with communication. So that just stuff can't happen. And then there's little things, just very fundamental fundamental things that we uh, kind of messed up on they they ran a, a number of line twists there was not a lot of pressure on the game they brought just a handful of pressures and that was kind of their plan coming in to challenge us on the outside with some man and then to play to try and take away the rpo game and we just uh, you know didn't really handle some of the simple things very well
2: so after all that uh, well, my first thought is Rogers just likes to hear himself talk, but then again, I host a two-hour radio show every night, so I'm not exactly the pot calling the kettle black, but like, it doesn't sound like it was a comment on scheme at all. It was a comment on execution, so I guess I'm just confused as to why he didn't say that on Sunday, <laughs> you know?
7: Now I'm going to get right to the point because yeah. I, as I'm watching that game, I thought, oh, I don't need to watch this one. Usually, I watch these games two or three times. I look for the turning point. Mm-hmm. I look for things that are going on on the line, and I, I you just can't see live from the press box on game day. And I have to look for closer things and techniques and and why certain things happen a certain way. By the way, people might wonder that unsportsmanlike call on the Jets sideline. Yeah, uh, that was just simply because one of the assistant coaches was in the white paint too close to where the ref was. And, he, you know, he crossed the border, and, and he, that's what, what, what drew that flag. That's what drew that flag. It's nothing more than that, according to Robert Sala. Aaron Rodgers was playing that game with a sore thumb, okay? Mm-hmm. Probably a lot more than he led on to. He got sacked four times. He got hit nine times. He got crushed. Royce Newman was in over his head. They yanked him. They put in Jake Hansen. He tore his bicep. They had to put Royce Newman back in. And you've got a wide receiver group where you're missing Sammy Watkins on IR. You've got Christian Watson out there with, the, out again with a, a, his second hamstring injury after the knee surgery. And now you've lost Randall Cobb for the next couple of months, probably with a, uh, looks like a high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. And here's why they got their asses kicked. You go to the left guard, John Runyon, and he says, that's one of the best defensive lines. I've ever faced so far in my two years in the NFL or playing college football. And he says, you know what? We've had this problem with stunts. This offensive line so far, six weeks in, when they start stunting, and I don't know if it's Josh Myers, the center, or Royce Newman, or who's not picking it up, but when you do the defensive end and defensive tackles crossing, When you swing over a linebacker, you know, twists and stunts, Mm -hmm. uh, we struggle with that and listen to
6: Runyon talking about it.
8: We've been struggling stunts uh, throughout the season so far, and uh, getting that third down situation. Uh, they they know how to work the stunts. They really game plan that, and uh, I, I don't think that at times we you know we were getting picked off here and there. I don't think we, we were using our proper techniques and you know knowing the situation when it's third and long, knowing that they're gonna be uh, something like that. And um, I do I, I think we just overall you know me and myself. Included, um, we just got to be better with our hands or with our feet and our weight distribution and you know, they're catching us and uh, I think not too well
2: so my first thought not really related to what we're talking about Mike but uh, just a side note it turns out twists and stunts work uh, someone should tell Joe Barry uh, maybe the Packers defensive line should run some of those because they really don't but also, what happened to our, our prince that was promised of offensive line coaching, Adam Stenovich? I know Butkus is the, the old line coach now, but is Stenovich in a different role? What's changed from the last couple of years to this season?
7: Orlo Fleur. And yeah. the fact is, you got John Runyon, son of, you know, senior, mm-hmm. who, by the way, his father had to serve in the papers that <laughs> he got a $5,000 fine for leg whipping a guy in the Giants game. Yeah, that was funny. It came from his dad. But, you know, Runyon said... We've had this problem, Salah saw it, and that's what he built his game plan on. These guys can't handle stunts right now. And so Runyon's asked, so what's Luke Butkus, your offensive line coach, going to have to do to how to fix this to deal with the D-line stunts
2: and twists, and who's going to block who? Simplify things? No, I'm just just kidding. Let's hear John Runyon talk
8: about it. It's It's just a technique issue. I think our communication in the past pro. We, we we know what they're doing when they're live in that front, and uh, like I said, it was definitely it's definitely a game plan. We've shown it, and it hasn't really bit us uh, this season like it has in this past game, and you know we, we just weren't ready for it. We haven't gotten it fixed, and uh, watching out watching it on film, um, like I said, it's a reality check, and we know what we have to do now.
2: Look, it's. It keeps happening, Mike, where the Packers have all of these issues, and it's like, it's week six. This has been obvious since the first week of the season. Why are we not a- addressing some of these things? It's like, well, now we know what to fix. But, yeah, we're half a dozen games in now. This should have been obvious in the first and second game of the year. Awful lot of
7: young guys. You know, it's I heard both. Clay Walker is a good kid and a great football player, but mm-hmm. him say two weeks ago, yeah, you know, the biggest difference about the NFL is all the free time I've got. I don't have to go any classes. But And you're like, wow. for Free time? Poor guy. Hello? <laughs> I, I mean, I spent 18 hours a day trying to figure out what these guys did in their 15-hour day. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Just covering the team. And Aaron Jones, though, you're running back who keeps on waiting to get the football, who got paid in the off season and still showed up to every OTA mm-hmm. and every minicamp practice mm. all spring. Preach. You ask him and say, well, how, how, do you, how do you step it up in, in this locker room? Given that you just lost back-to-back games, and now you got three games on the
8: road, just be a little bit from everybody, and that's uh, whether somebody speaking up or uh, their actions on the field, or um, them getting in the playbook a little bit more, or taking care of their bodies a little bit more. So, um, whatever it needs to be, but we all just gotta put in that effort.
2: If I was Aaron Jones, I'd say, "Hey, don't look at me, man. Like I've been really good in the limited touches I've gotten." this ain't a meat problem. Yeah, I, I don't right. know. It's it's Mike, they played six games, and in three of them, they've almost forgotten that Aaron Jones is on the team. And I get that that happens if you have lots of great receivers and lots of great backs at start time and start tight end. The Packers are dying for anyone to be dynamic and make plays on offense. Aaron Jones is the one guy who's got the trust of Rodgers, who's done it before, he's been in the system, and they've forgotten about him three out of the six times they've played this year. I just don't get it. So
7: it'll be Taylor Heineke oh, great. at quarterback. For the commanders, um, you know, because Carson Wentz had to have some surgery on the on the broken finger, and uh, but you know the, the best thing that Ron Rivera's got going right now in Washington is a defensive front, and that's your next challenge yeah, heading into Washington this coming Sunday at noon.
2: Great, I, I, you know, Taylor Heineke almost maybe didn't almost beat the Packers last year, but that I remember that game being much closer than than it seemed. Right? He, no, he yeah. fumbled it on the goal line. And, like, Taylor Heineke and the Commanders almost got the Packers last year. Yeah, he,
7: he's 28, 29 years old, plays with a lot of heart. And he's, you know, managed to survive through a couple teams in the NFL. But, you know, he could be dangerous. He
2: could be dangerous. Well, the Packers make everyone dangerous. Hey, Rogers, really quickly, Mike, before I let you go, Rogers on McAfee today talked about how, you know, all these teams that top the NFC are 3-3 three and three. It is Is it possible that just every team is struggling this year and maybe what we're going through as Packers fans isn't unique just to our team?
7: Right. Well, and, you know, I said this a week or two ago, and and I was just talking to guys in the press box. I go, hey, listen, I still remember that the Green Bay Packers had a really good team on roster in camp, and then they lost to Washington on the road when they screwed up uh, an overtime situation or as the clock was running down in two minutes. It was something that McCarthy explained to me because I I didn't make sense. I went over that last minute like the Zabruder film. He called it Church, which was basically we let Aaron Rodgers just run all the calls. Yeah, Uh, But they screwed it up because they screwed it up. And then they lost to a Dolphins team that just ran the football, kept it away from Aaron Rodgers, and they eked out like a 15 to 13 weird win at Lambeau Field. Dolphins came in and beat them. And you thought... And the season's over with because they've already had like seven or eight guys on, on IR. They ended up having 15 guys on the IR. This was 2010, the year they won the Super Bowl. So, yeah, it, it's they're 3-3. Three and three, But they've got an awful lot to fix. And, and you know, my, uh, Matt LaFleur has got to find a better way to motivate these guys. Yeah. it ain't Right now, it's stale in that locker room.
2: All right, Mike, we'll talk more about it on Thursday. We got a tough stretch of games, but a, a couple great opportunities against some good teams and on the road. And we know how the Packers do with travel. So we'll talk more on Thursday, Mike. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, appreciate you. Thank you. That's Mike Clemens at Mike Clemens NFL on Twitter. Let's take our final break and then we'll turn things over to Zach and Ben for Kenny and Heilpern coming up in a few.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.